The OneStream Global Education Services team proudly presents the OneStream Podcast with your host, Peter Fugere. Greetings, fellow OneStreamers, and welcome to the OneStream Podcast, where we explore and examine all things OneStream, talk to experts in the industry, and gain knowledge from some of the brightest minds that help deliver and implement solutions for our clients. I am your host, Peter Fugere, Chief Solutions Officer at OneStream Software. And as always, I'm excited about our topic today, dashboards and reports. Here with me to discuss this topic is Nick Blades, Vice President of North American Services. Welcome, Nick. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, we've worked together a long time, so I'm really excited to talk about this with you. When you're sitting down, and I mean, everybody that's been part of any sort of an implementation, you, you know, writing the reports, sort of gathering that, that's really what all the work's about, right? Like you're you're building out this database, and it's all about the reports, the look and feel, the speed of them. What are the key questions someone should ask when you're sitting down to building these reports? Like, how do you start this process and engage with a client? Yeah, that's a great question, Peter. And, and to be honest, you know, one of the things that we found in my years of doing this is a lot of our architects actually start with the end in mind, right? So they're when you're talking to a customer, even a potential customer, one of the things you want to look at is what is the the data that's coming out? How's it going to be ingested by that customer? How are they going to be using that data? And so they really start with the end in mind. So some some architects and other you know implementation consultants will think, where do I start with any kind of project? And a lot of our consultants actually start with that report and or dashboards in mind to see what are they doing currently. And it tells us a lot about what our customers are doing and how their business is executed on a daily basis. So I, I, thinking about that, you know, I think there's a few questions that, you know, me personally and our team kind of goes through when we're looking at what are the types of questions we're going to ask when, when looking at reporting and dashboarding, right? Is this something you go through in design or do you do you take on reports as a later part of the project or it's got to be upfront? How do you do it? We start. So, again, we start with the end in mind, right? So you're not actually going to create reports and or dashboards on the outset, right? I mean, you you, you need to have a, a base level application set up. So when we're going through design, the reporting and da- dashboarding piece really comes in towards the tail end of design. But we might look at current state reports and current state dashboards when we're looking at how we might set up the metadata and other you know workflow and all those other pieces that sort of go into the full application. So did that make sense? It kind of you kind of start with the end in mind, but we're not actually creating the new reports and dashboards until we get to the end of design. Does that, does that make sense? Makes a ton of sense. I mean, if you think about it, if you're if you're looking at the reports, I mean, you you've got your dimensionality there, you've got your calculations, and really like all of the data, all the information you're trying to get out of it. So I, I think that makes a ton of sense to look okay. at. But going back to your original question, right? So what are the key questions that what we would ask kind of going into when we get to that portion of design? I think the first thing that we want to look at is what is the report and dashboard meant to do? Or maybe put a little bit differently, what decisions are we trying to make with the data that's being shown? And, and for example, you know, is it supposed to be used to help executives understand an established process like the close process or a budgeting process? And is it used to prescribe results or explore a new course of action? You know, so like we're looking at how is the information really going to be used? Like, what what do you want the report to show? That, that's you know, that's our that's our the, kind of the first question we would go through. Before you go into that too much, when you're sitting down and going through that, is it understanding the process? But you're not you're careful not to re-engineer it, or are you open to having those discussions with the client? So I, I think we're open to having discussions with a customer. I, I think when you're looking at you know if it's you know if we're putting it in one stream, you know we're we're brought in as the experts, right, to to discuss how things would be built in one stream. And so a lot of times that process that, you know, customers are going through or executives are going through, 
is important for us to know because it may change how we develop our workflow. It may change where we think data might be residing or how data is coming into the tool. It can help answer a lot of questions. I think the next question, Peter, I would, I would ask, you know, after kind of understanding really what's the report or dashboard meant to do is, is what is the primary focus of that, right? So is it, you know, is it specific? And, and when I'm thinking of this, like, are there very specific types of information you're trying to show? So if it's visualizations, I'm thinking of when, when we look at few visualizations, like, you know, we're looking at more monetary values, things like that. You're looking at an income statement or a balance sheet, a cash flow statement, your standard financial statements. Or are you looking to do more broad based? Do you want to have a, like a lot of widgets and filters and be able to drill down? You know, there's there's certain reports and dashboards that are meant for how you're going to consume that information. And so that's probably the second area we would look at is how is the report meant to really be visualized? And then, you know, how is it going to be used in that respect? And then the next thing it looks like, do you think about timing with reports? Like, is it more of a dashboard or is it more of a gauge or are reports real time? Like, what, how, do you, yeah. how do you tackle that? Yeah, we, we look at things like, you know, so financial statements in, in general, as you know, are looking at past historical performance and or maybe if they're part of a forecast or budgeting package and looking at your potential results. So that's going to tell us a little bit more like, is it more retrospective and, and looking forward from a standard sort of, you know, financial process, be it the close and consolidation or budget and forecast? Or is it more real time, right? We talk a lot about how we bring operational data in a lot of times, and that's more when you're looking at, I need some real time results of information. So I'll, I'll give you an example, right? I run the North American consulting team. And as we're going through a current month, one of the things that I might wanna look at is how are we doing each week as you know my consultants are putting in their time, putting in their expenses, how's our utilization tracking, right? So our CFO might come and say, Nick, how is the, the North American services team performing this month? How's it gonna look? And having that information in more real time, if I can load data on the fly, be able to summarize it very quickly and say, yep, you know, we're, we're trending to near 70% utilization for the month. This is going to be a fantastic month, Bill. That is the type of thing that I'm thinking of when, when looking at more real time data. So we want to know that. Is it coming in more real time and more operational nature, or is it more retrospective and, and kind of forward thinking with the two sort of areas I would think of? And that's interesting too, because as you're saying that, my thought was, well, that's interesting. It tells us maybe what's the best solution to use. Is it a cube? Is it a BI dashboard? You know, how quickly you're refreshing that data, cycling that information through is how quickly you're, you know, you're integrating that and then making that, that information available to report on. Exactly. No, great, great, great point. What are the main ways um, a report or dashboard get created? Uh, how do you think about those and how do you group them? Sure. So again, if I, if I look back to sort of that row and column sets, if you think of a traditional income statement or P&L or balance sheet or cash flow statement, you're looking at rows versus your columns. And generally speaking, you know, you might have your account level information in your rows and maybe your time dimension. So you're the current year, let's say, you know, broken out by month in your columns. Certain reports like that are, are definitely geared towards, you know, in one certain to be known as cube views. And, and we use those all the time. It's probably the number one way that we do a visualization of, of data coming out of one stream. And basically it's it's a great name for it. It is a it is a split view of the cube that you are looking at. And the best thing for those types of information, again, is those traditional row and column sets where you're looking at your financial statements is a great way to build out cube views. The second type of way we look at is dashboarding. And OneStream has that traditional dashboarding capability as well. And this is more of like your widgets, your ability to do more filters. And the neat thing is with OneStream is you can actually bring in cube views into your dashboards themselves. So a dashboard could be a summarization of a, a number of cube views. They could be waterfall charts, bar charts, you know, pie charts, all those different kinds of charts. We have that traditional dashboarding as well. 
And the ability to drill in is, is a great feature. I think that would come out of dashboarding as well. So you might see a whole pie chart and say, wow, I, I understand what's driving this 30% you know, number here. And the ability to drill in there might take you to a cube view. The third way, with the exception of, you know, outside of cube views and dashboarding, and everybody loves this, it's Excel. Yeah, we, everyone we loves Excel. Excel. <laughs> you know, and, and there's a couple of different ways that we can actually interact in Excel, right? You have the, your, your ability to create quick views, which is essentially a guided model for creating and getting to a set of data in one stream, be it through, you know, kind of like, kind of like the same, similar to, to a cube view, but just being done in Excel and being done on the fly, very ad hoc. The other way you can use Excel is through our XF get cells, which is essentially if you know how to do an equal sum type of formula in Excel, you'll be able to do an XF get cell, which can just pinpoint, you know, a, a just a one point, one dot of information or many points of information based on a variety of parameters that you input. So those are the three ways that I kind of view, you know, view us doing any kind of reporting or dashboarding in one stream. And how do you decide which one to use? I mean, when you're sitting down, I'm imagining somehow you're you're grouping and prioritizing these sure. reports. But how do you decide which reports are right for which which option? Yeah, that's a great great question. Again, you know, if I think about it again, for for standardized reporting packages that might come out on a monthly basis. So again, looking at your PLs, your your traditional financial statements, those are going to be perfect for cube views. Something that's going to be run on a monthly basis, you can put them in a report book, however it might be. Those are type of things that you're going to want to do in cube views. Think something that's repetitive in nature. You don't want a lot of you know changes every single month. These are going to be your your pretty stock standard reporting types. For dashboards, these are going to be something where you want a little bit more interaction with the user, right? So if you're thinking about a role at a company, most of your executives aren't going to necessarily go through the PL and balance sheet in detail. They might want to look at that when they have a question they might want to ask. They might want to dig into the detail. The cube views sort of sit in the background and those kind of row and column set type of reports sit in the background to contain all that detail. Dashboarding is the best way for executives to interact with OneStream. So the ability to, to filter, to drill into to numbers, to have bar charts and pie charts and having that sort of hit you right in the face with a, right, a great visualization, that's when you're going to be talking about your, your dashboarding capabilities. The Excel side, I mean, we, we're seeing this a lot more probably on the, the planning and forecasting users. So someone that's an FP&A and those users that want to really drill in and, and ask a lot of questions on an ad hoc basis is where I would see more of the Excel being used. And so when I look at all these, I mean, what are key differences between dashboards and reports? Like what really like, I mean, it sounds like dashboards are just they're more visual. They're more, you know, uh, sort of quick slices. How, how do you look at those? The way I think about it is, is a dashboard usually focuses on a theme that's explored over time, you know, and it's represented by indicators that are updated in real time and, and visualizations. Again, you said it before that and it shows the evolution of data over time. I think re reports on their hand are used to, to kind of monitor projects and themes for like a specific duration. Right. So if I'm looking at a P&L, it, it, it most likely is for this given year or for, you know, a cash flow statement balance sheet. They're looking at this point in time dashboarding. You're sort of looking at both the but that but also the trending along with it I, and i think that's that's the key differences that i see between both dashboards and reports yeah that's interesting i yeah, yeah as you're explaining that i mean i'm kind of imagining sort of you know those visual graphs and charts that show you know the data moving and it gives you a nice visualization you know like you, you can think of like on cnbc like the stock price moving over time and it it really gives you a bigger picture with just that image you know it, it, 
the, the images, if you think about it, if you were to look at a number in it, on, on a graph and you, you know, if you saw the number itself and it goes from a million to 1.1 million to 1.2, it's like, okay, great. That looks good. When you see it on a graph and you're seeing sort of like, if you look at, think about a, a historical, you know, a chart for, you know, a stock price of, of something, maybe it's Tesla or whatever company you want to look at, but you're seeing it over time. It tells you a much better story than if you were to look at it numerically. Right, so it's just how you interpret information on dashboards. Sometimes it's a little bit easier on the eyes, and it, and it kind of tells a more complete story that you can say. It, it kind of makes it kind of jumps out you a lot more at first. Yeah. So, what are all the different ways we get the information into the report? Like, how do we we built this great database? We we have this, you know, the the cube or the blend tables, relational tables. How is that data moving into those reports, and how do we capture it? Yeah, and, and this is probably, you know, from a build perspective and from the consulting side of the house, which I, you know, is very near and dear to my heart, is it can be probably the most complex because one of the great things about OneStream and, and the reason that a lot of our customers come our way is because we can synthesize all that data. We're, we're pulling it into either if it's, you know, like you said, if it's stage or if it's, you know, uh, blend or analytic blend or, or the, you know, the tables that relational tables out sitting outside. There's the cube data, right? There's a variety of different areas that you can pull data in from. And so what we, what we look at a lot of times is how, how we're pulling this into a report. There's a variety of different ways. The first, we've, we've, I feel like we've talked about this one a lot, is cube views, right? And so yeah. if you're thinking about the way that data gets into the cube, we're pulling it in, you know, you can run allocations on that data and, and do a variety of different things to, to synthesize and get that data where you want it as a customer. The number one way we can pull data back out or capture is through cube views. And cube views can be, I can use them either to be the report itself I can use the cube view as the source of data for a dashboard, right? So if I wanted to have a bar chart or a bar graph, I can pull that data first into a cube view and then layer the dashboard on top of that cube view to you know, visually represent that data. Again, if you're thinking about it, it's sometimes easier to consume that data in a visual format. That's, you know, a cube view can be one of the best ways to kind of get data in. And it sounds kind of crazy that a report is, how do you create a report or a dashboard with a report? It seems kind of silly. Um, but it's actually true. It's one of the best ways to get data from the cube, either directly into a you know a consumer's hand or into um, as the data source for a dashboard. When we think about cube view, though, I mean it's really just a a slice of the data. I mean you're defining rows and columns, and and that concept, that cube view concept. I mean you said it before. We keep coming back to it. It's a consistent foundational piece to all these other things. I think it's I think it's real important to call out. Like I mean a cube view is kind of it's the base of our reports on a lot of these, right? Absolutely. And, and to be quite honest, when I, you know, going back to the implementation side of the house, when we bring new consultants on, it's one of the first things we teach them, right? It's, yeah. it's how to build a cube view. And the reason we start there is because it, it's, it teaches you a bunch of things about the application itself. It teaches you the data. It teaches you the metadata for the application. It can teach you about the workflow of the application. It is the number one way that our end users, our, our customers' end users, interact with a tool is through the reporting of information. It is, yeah. you know, it, it you know, it can be one of the topics that we will when we when we bring a new consultant on, they may get super frustrated because you're putting them in that building cube view after cube view for months on end, and sometimes you can feel like, well, why am I doing this? And it's it's the basis for like a lot of things that we're doing. If reporting is wrong, then the whole project has gone south. Yeah, and so that's yeah. why you know, to me, it's. I don't ever underestimate or undervalue what, you know, building cube views as a starting point 
and even as you go down the road into a, a more seasoned consultant, it's extremely important. So I, I'm glad you pulled that out. It is. Well, I always, I always say, here. I mean, it doesn't matter when you're designing the, the database, and writing rules and none of it matters as long as the reports are quick and accurate. Yep. You know, it, 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 everything else is sort of building up to that, you know, and then as far as like new people writing cube views, that first experience of building a cube view and not seeing any data in it and trying to figure <laughs> out what the hell happened. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a great learning experience. So sorry to go down that rabbit hole, but okay. So we got the cube views. How do yep. we get, uh, how do we pull other data into let's say Excel? Sure. So again, we have the, we have our, our, our quick views, which we, we briefly talked about before, but one thing I want to note that I'm not sure if, if many of our listeners will know, you can actually use Excel as a data point hmm. sitting outside. So we can have an Excel sheet that sits outside on a shared drive. And I can actually bring that data into OneStream through, you know, it's a it's a it's an adapter that's built into OneStream out of the box. I can actually use data from an Excel table and pull it into OneStream without having to store it in stage or in the cube. I can use that that's as a source of data. So it's not only huh. the ability to create a report in Excel, but I can actually use a predefined report from a customer and use that as a source of data to bring into OneStream in a dashboard or whatever else it might be. And this is an Excel sheet other people could update and then you could Ab reference? Absolutely. Wow, all right. So yeah, I wanna talk about that, that one really briefly. The, the third way is just traditional, and, and this is where it gets maybe a little bit more complex, but but data adapters and, and data adapters can be complex because you know it's to, to really get into the, to the meat of it, you need to know SQL. And so, and SQL is, you know, structured query language. Most of your people that, you know, have, have gone through any kind of database training will, will know SQL. It's a object-oriented programming language, excuse me. And it's the basis for how we build data adapters uh, in, in OneStream. And that you can be used to, you know, create the direct connection between OneStream and an external source. So again, normally what we'll do, we might use a data adapter to bring in data as a, as a connector into one stream stage and then load to the cube traditionally. You don't always necessarily need to do that. There may be opportunities for us to use data adapters to just reach out to an external source and bring in just a subset of data that might be the basis for a report or dashboard. So that's the third way that I would think about. The fourth way is through actual stage reporting. We've, we've talked a little bit about stage and I, I, I know you've talked a little about stage, I believe in other podcasts you've done, but just because we we bring data into stage doesn't mean we have to necessarily load it to the cube. We might want to bring in data that has attributes on it, and we might not be able to bring that that data into the cube. So the ability to report at a stage is is a huge benefit for us. Again, we're just trying when we're bringing data to the cube, we're trying to make the cube as dynamic and as quick reacting as possible. So some data we want to keep outside, and some data we want to bring inside, and that's where you know the the having an architect on your implementation and and doing the design will really come down to that portion. But Again, it's just another place that we can do reporting out of, out of that stage area. The fifth area that I, I would say is on, on the BI and analytic blend side, right? So we have the ability to bring data into our BI analytic blend tables. And again, it just gives us another area that some of this data might not be something we want to bring into the cube if we're trying to make sure that it's operating as efficiently as possible. These tables that are, exist out there, we can write queries off of that data as well. No reason to bring it in the cube and, and overload the cube with you know superfluous data, if you will. Yeah. And that way, it's just it just gives you you know so many different areas, and, and and a lot of times this is where the architect on your implementation really comes in handy. The design around all of this, it's it's really what, you know what we, when we talk to customers, we, we get a lot of times. Well, I want to do it this way, and I want to do it that way. And one of the reasons you're paying to have an architect there is to say, no, no, this isn't the best way. You want this thing to perform. You want your system to perform right. as best as possible. Let's keep the data here, and here's why. And 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 it, to be honest, 
if you have a great architect, it should be seamless to the end user. They shouldn't know yeah. where the data is coming from, nor should they care. They just want it right. to be accurate and, and to respond quickly. Well, text text fields are a great example. I mean, you know, they, they really don't fit in a cube dynamic like that. And, and it's so easy to drop into a stage table. And like you said, I mean, if you can reference it in a report, why, why would the end user care? All the information is available to them. In the bigger picture, you know, we talk about OneStream as a platform quite a bit on this podcast. You know, I think this is one of the, the values of a tool where a lot of these CPM components all fit together. You've eliminated so many reconciliation points and data synchronization points. I mean, everything you're describing, Nick, the data is coming in, falling in the right bucket, and you have one unified reporting platform that you're able to go after each of these sources with and see the information sort of as it's updated. I mean, that's a powerful option to have as, a, as an architect. Peter, I couldn't have said it better myself. That was very well, very well, very concise, and very well said. <laughs> well, let's take a step back. Let's let's talk about design. So, how do you how do you sit down and, at the beginning? I mean, and lay out for the for the client. You know how we're going to design, not the database so much, but the design around the reporting and dashboarding. How does that fit into? And when we say when I say design, not just the setup, but the managing through the process and the implementation and delivery. How how do you run that? Sure. What's interesting is when I've spoken with many of my architects, and 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 I'm lucky now that I I, I get to manage the whole team, so I'm not doing I'm yeah. not doing designs nearly as much as um, as I would like to, I guess. But um, you know, again, going back to one of, one of my comments from earlier, a lot of our architects and and principals when they're when they're going into a design will start with a customer's you know current reporting inventory. I think it's one of the best places to start. Yeah. You get a listing of the reports. You get an understanding of the dashboards that they're using today and, and what the process is used for. That to me, starting with the end in mind, it really is the basis and lays the foundation. I know this is a, you know, we're talking about reporting and dashboarding today, but it gives you the basis for what your whole application design might might end up looking like. It can tell you things, you know, someone said, my, you know, a customer we can have that might say, you know, we don't use cost center for anything. And you open up their first book of reports, and it's got cost center everywhere. And you go, well, well I don't really know well, what what happened here, you know. And it's, oh yeah, right. I, I see what you're saying. Like, we we do use cost center a lot. And you go, okay, so it helps from looking at things like reporting packages, reporting inventories, dashboarding, current dashboards that are used, and what the process is used for to circle back to the overall design. But then when you look at it, so so once you have the foundational portion for that. As you get to the end, and I think I said this before, but the reporting and, and dashboarding design really should come toward the tail end of design. When you've got sort of your base level cubes, you know where data is coming from, you have your metadata structures pretty much set up. There's really no point in starting to go through some of that until you have a really good view of what the foundational landscape will look like in, inside your application. Well, so you know, Nick, it, it's it's funny with when I would sit down and do designs, I always get sort of thought of everything begins and ends with reports. Like if I if I can sit down and I can look at a report even before I come in for design, I have a sense of dimensionality. I can gather rules and I like to build a rules inventory in addition sure. to a report inventory, you know, so I, I could see what the calculations they're looking for. They're, they're telling you this is is what we want to see, you know, and yeah, you're right. Once I've laid out the design of the database, we can circle back and go through the reports. The other thing I always thought was great about a report inventory, and I love that you're talking about this. I can't imagine a project without one is it lets you prioritize the reports. I mean, let's face it, not every project, everything gets done 100% perfectly on time, on budget. There's always things you don't expect. There's always problems as a risk management and a project management tool. I, I don't know how people don't have them. I can't agree with you more. The point that you made that I I just I failed to think about until you just said it, and 
I just didn't think about it when we were just talking about this was the prioritization. That is extremely important. You know, in spot on, not every project goes, you know, exactly as planned. I mean, I've been doing this for 18 years now, and I've never had a project that was that went from point A to point Z without having some some hiccups along the way and trying to figure out, do we have to shuffle hours around? And a lot of times it comes down to, you know, reports because reports can be, you know, you have companies that go out and have hundreds, if not thousands of, of different reporting packages they're producing on a monthly basis. And the prioritization of that is hugely important because what I might think is important and one of the things I might be focusing on as a team member for a customer, the customer might say, well, geez, I only use this one every quarter. This is a monthly thing. I, I need this. This is hugely important. I need to focus on these 10 first. Then if yeah. there's time, I can focus on that. So I think that was a great point that you added in on, on the prioritization. But honestly, for customers in general, I mean, I, we've said it a, you know, a couple of times here, but just building that reporting and dashboarding inventory, that is something that they can do on their own time. Doesn't cost them a penny to do it, just other than internal, you know, internal time. And coming prepared to a design session or set of requirements and design sessions with that inventory in a prioritized order. Oh my goodness! I mean, that, if I if we could do yeah. have all our customers do that, I think we're starting off on yeah. the right foot, no matter what. Well, you know, we take a lot of pride at OneStream in you know this really high customer satisfaction. I've worked at other companies. I've you know some competitors. I got to tell you, it's ridiculous the customer satisfaction level we have and. And part of that is, Nick, exactly what you're doing. You know, when you talk about like a report inventory, you know, you're mitigating risk and making sure that we're going to deliver the things we have to. And the things that slip, you know, we can communicate those easily. We understand what's important, you know, and make sure we're hitting what we need to hit when we need to hit it. And and yeah, I mean, no project goes perfectly. Well, if we know that, what are we doing to mitigate those risks? And when something has to slip, we know what has to slip and, you know, and sort of manage it that way. So I think it's, it's a great example of how OneStream Services delivers that high customers and our partners deliver yeah. that high customer satisfaction. I mean, it's such a great point. And I have and I have the luxury of working with a lot of our partners. And and you know, I, I think if we I look, I I've seen pretty much all the methodologies. And when it comes down to it, we all run our designs, our requirements in such similar fashions that it's fantastic. But I think that's one of the things, Peter, you, you nailed it, is that's how we have the, the high customer success, right? Is we're, I think it's the open communication, it's discussion, and it's and it's working with our customers right up front by, by doing things like, you know, giving them the tools up front before we even start and saying, hey, here are the 15 things that you guys can do on your end, on, on your time to prepare for this. And and having some knowledge around you know what we're doing and what they're doing currently in reports and where they're you know where's data coming from right you know so some of the other things that we can kind of when we're when we're going through and go back to your original question around the how do I how would I run a design you know for reporting and dashboarding section of a design you know one of the things I want to start thinking of take the reporting inventory and then start digging into them right start getting into the into the nitty gritty of it where's the data coming from. You know, and, and how are end users going to want to consume this? And is it coming in today through a dashboard? Would it be more helpful for individuals to have a dashboard or you know to to sit on top of those reports? So where it's coming, when, where where the data is coming from, and how users are going to consume it are are two great questions to ask. The third, maybe final question that I might ask around that, you know, other than you know having the reporting inventory and starting to dig into the current state, is when is the information you know created and then also consumed? So is this something again that we're looking at? Is it a monthly type of report? Is this just a, a quarterly package that needs to be created? Having answers to those three questions are, are gonna set you up for success no matter what. Well, the, the timing of those reports too, you know, my thoughts go right to the workflow, you know, yep. and when people are engaging and interacting with OneStream, it just makes sense what you're laying out sort of like plugs right into when I would look at certain reports in my workflow. So it's 
it's sort of right in line with how the tool works. It's perfect. Exactly. Nick, another great discussion. Thank you so much for bringing your expertise to the podcast today. And thank you, fellow OneStreamers, for joining us. Remember, if you like this content, please don't forget to subscribe. We would love to hear from you. Questions, comments, concerns, please reach out at podcast at onestreamsoftware.com. I look forward to bringing you another exciting podcast. And until then, take care, and I'll see you next time on The OneStream Podcast. The OneStream Podcast is brought to you by the OneStream Global Education Services team.